All right. Well, we got a, as you said, we got a series getting ready to come up, and and uh, and I really believe it's it's gonna it's gonna bless you. Um, the the thing that comes with words and things that comes with reading scriptures and and preaching is uh, once you leave here, you got to do what's said. And um and 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 that's okay, because God gives us the strength to do it, right? He wouldn't, he wouldn't ask us to do something that he would not empower us to be able to do. Amen? Amen? He wouldn't command us to do something unless he knew that we were capable of doing it either through him or of our own strength, such as picking up this water bottle. There's no reason for me to pray to God, pick up this water bottle, because he's already given me the strength to do it. I just pick it up, and I get a drink, and man, it's good, especially when you've been singing now for two hours, and then try to come preach. But everybody stand before we get into the sermon. For the, for the prayer and reading of the word, looking at Ephesians, and you don't have to turn there because this is just a prayer. I'm going to pray over us, but I want everybody to stand up, please. Everyone stand. May God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of our glory, give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also that is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave to him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body and the fullness of, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Heavenly Father, we just pray that. We believe that our hearts are open, our ears are open. We pray that you've given us the ears to hear, so let us hear your word today. Let us hear what you've got to say, and then let us act upon it. Let us not be just hearers, but doers also. We praise you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Everybody says amen. 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 As you're seating, shout out, I am a doer. I am a doer. I am not just a hearer, but I am a doer. All right, we're going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 23 through 30. And you all all know this story. And so some of these scriptures that I have are probably not going to be up on the board because they're very long. And we got one man back there trying to work the camera, the sound, and the media. And it's a little difficult for one man being in three places at once. God can do it, but one man can't. Amen? Amen. So as I give you the scripture, if you can't get to it as quickly as I can read it, you just write it down. It probably should already be in your notes anyway. So if it is great, circle it, star it. If something happens in that scripture as I'm reading it, you go, man, I got to get back to that. Circle it, underline it, highlight it, spit on it, do whatever you got to do to remember to go back because I don't want you to miss anything that God's got to say. And I am really excited and I'm going to talk really fast. And part of that is because I got a lot of notes. You notice I'm not even on my iPad today. I got pages. Okay, that means it's going to be good because I'm going back to old school. So we're in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 23 through 30. And as he talked with him, behold, there came up a champion. This is the story of David and Goliath. Most of you know this story, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to start right here in this verse, chapter 23, where David has come down because he was told by his father to bring the bread and the cheese to his brothers. And so he's standing there and he's talking. He says, as he talked with him, behold, there came a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines. And spoke according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Ye have seen the man that has come up surely to defy Israel, and he has come up. It shall be that the man who killeth him, the king, will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father house free in Israel. And David spoke to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine? And takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Ooh, you could stop right there. And the people answered him, saying, This manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, What camest thou down hither? Why you come down here? And whom has, have you left those little sheep with? I know the pride and the naughtiness of the heart. For thou art come down that thou might see a battle. And David said, What have I done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward, toward another and spoke after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former. So here's David. He's been told to come down to his father to bring 
the, um, to bring the bread and the cheese. And we all know the story. David goes up and he kills Goliath. And we all scream, yay, Rob, because the little guy killed the big guy with the might of God. And, and he killed him with a little bitty stone. He didn't even have to take a sword out there to him. And it's awesome. But the part that I want to talk about is verse 28 and 29. I'm going to read it again. It says, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why came us down here? Why you come down here? And who did you leave those few sheep with in the wilderness? Notice he's already talking down to David. That's his older brother. His brother's a shepherd. And he didn't say, well, who did you leave our father's great sheep with? He said, who did you leave those little bitty sheep with? That little bit amount of sheep. Meaning that David, David wasn't even a good enough shepherd to have a lot of sheep. He had to have a little bit of sheep. That's his brother talking to him. He says, I know thy pride and I know your naughtiness of your heart. You came down here so you could see a battle. That's the only reason you came down here is to see a battle. You wanted to see a war. You wanted to see just blood and all this other stuff. And David says, what have I done? Is there not a cause? Now, we read, he says, if we go back, he says, who is this person that defies the living God? Basically, he's, tell, he's telling the men out there who, remember, just fled from Goliath, said, who does this guy think he is? Who does he think he is defying the, our living God? Then he asked everyone, because he's so full of faith, David knows this guy's nothing. This Goliath guy, he's a nobody to God. He knows what, he says, what will happen to the man that kills him? What will happen to the guy that knocks off this knucklehead? This guy that thinks he can come up here and stand before our living God and defy him, what's going to happen to the guy that kills him? Because he already knows I'm just going to kill him. It ain't that big of a deal. So what's going to happen? What am I going to get? And he's talking and he says, and then Eliab comes running up. Why are you here? Trying to knock him back down. What did you do with those little sheep? You just want to see a battle. You're nothing. You're nobody. David then asked him two questions. Two questions. In verses 28 and 29, he says, what have I done, and is there, not a, is, is there not a cause? Now, the literal translation of that is there not a cause is different than what the King James said that it was. The word there actually means, is there not a word? Is there not a word? Is there not a word against this Goliath? Is there not a word against your battles? Is there not a word against the mountain that you're standing before? Is there not a word? Is there not something that God has given you that you can go with? And that's when it hit me right across the face. It's where the whole story takes a turn from the physical, from the natural to the supernatural. Because David is not standing upon himself. It moves from a self-centered focus to a God focus. Because David's not asking, is there a word for me? Is there a word that I have? He's saying, has anybody went and talked to God to see what they have to say about this Goliath? Does anybody remember the scriptures, the promises that were given to us as we were walking across the Jordan? Anybody remember what God said? He had so much faith. He had so much boldness. Nobody, now David, we, we read about David and we see that he's, he's a man after God's own heart. Now, if any of you know what a shepherd does, what a shepherd does, they take the sheep out into the field and they sit there pretty much. And they're watching. Any lions? Any wolves? Any bears? No, sheep are safe. Oh, I think I see one. Let me get up and go. Okay, no, never mind. It's just a bush. All right, any sheep? Any, any, okay, everybody's eating. All right, let's go get some water. So we'll go. I'm constantly looking. Water. All right, let me calm the water down. You know, because it says the sheep that lead by the still water because sheep don't drink when water's running. That's a little side note anyway. So they have to build a little dam, constantly keeping busy. All right, so the water's calm, sheep eat, and then we go back out in the wilderness. And it's just the shepherd and the sheep. And the occasional wolf, lion, bear, whatever may come to eat the sheep. But that's it. So David had a lot of time to sit there and talk with God. He had a lot of time to sit there and worship God. That's where the Psalms come from. That's why David was able to go into Saul's castle and he would play and he would praise and Saul would be set free because just like David with the sheep, David's worshiping God, the sheep are free. 
So he had a lot of time. We say that the Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. See, I think David knew even without having the rolled up scripture in his hand, I think he knew what God had promised the Israelite children back when they crossed the Jordan. I think he knew. I think he knew because God told him. Because he had to. Because remember, as we, as we know in the story, David says, well, I killed the lion, I killed the bear, I killed the wolf. They all tried to come take my sheep, and I ripped its jaws out. That's how bad I am, and that's how good my God is. And if he will deliver me to do that, he will surely deliver me to do this. There ain't no way you have that kind of faith and that kind of authority and power unless you know what the, God, what the word of God is. Amen. So let's look in Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. Verses 1 through 10. We're going to see what the word said, what God said to the Israelite children as they were about ready to walk into the promised land. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun. Moses ministered, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, this is God talking. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, unto the land which I do give you. Even to the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. For the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, unto the great sea, toward going down to the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not be any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you, nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide an inheritance of the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whatsoever thou goest. Y'all, that's, that's some promises. This book of law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. Hallelujah. Y'all, if you can't praise off of that, you can't praise off nothing. Here he is. Here is God. He says... You go across the Jordan, wherever your foot treads is going to be yours. So guess what? That's mine. That's mine. 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 And here's Goliath saying, no, it ain't. No, it ain't. And he's a big dude. No, it ain't. It ain't yours. But David got a hold of this. He's looking at the people and he's saying, what's wrong with y'all? What did God say? Is there not a word? Some would say David was prideful, but I believe he knew God and knew what God's word said and was hearing from him all those isolated nights that he was herding sheep. He was so confident in what God had done and what he had said. David was not trying to be prideful. He just wanted the people to do what later Solomon would tell us to do in Proverbs, and that is to not be wise in ourselves, but acknowledge him in all of our ways. And that's exactly what the promise said. If you keep this book and you meditate it on day and night, every place you go will be yours and you will prosper. Every place you go, you will prosper. What God was saying to the people about this giant, what was he saying? He was saying that this little flea bag is no match for you. Listen to what he says. He said, there shall be no man to be able to stand before you. He doesn't say they won't be able to stand before me. He said, God says, there shall no man be able to stand before you. Who was Goliath? A man. He should not have been able to stand before the Israelites, but they were so caught up in the size and the might of Goliath, they forgot the might and the size of the God that was in them. You cannot do that. You have to focus. No one was listening to the word of God, though. There was no one believing it or quoting it or standing on it. They were doing nothing. And guess what? We do the exact same thing now. Satan rears up, stands in front of us and says, no, you can't go there. And we go, okay. But there are so many scriptures pertaining to different things that we don't do anything with them. 
We don't read it, so we don't know what it says. And the ones we do know what it says, we don't act on and we don't believe it. And so we're powerless before Satan, but God has promised us all authority. But because we don't act on what we know and we don't know everything we should know, we're powerless. We all know the scripture, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. That is a word from God. But we truly have no idea what it means. We don't believe it. I mean, we read it and we do this. Ooh, I'm seeking, I'm seeking, I'm seeking, I'm seeking God. Oh, I'm seeking God. Oh, I'm seeking, I'm seeking, I'm seeking. That's not at all what he's saying to do when you're seeking God. The word seek there means to acquire new knowledge. It means to read up, to study. What are you going through? Study about it. You need financial blessings. What does God say about your finances? You need healing. What does God say about your healing? Read it. Study it. He says, don't worry about your life, what to eat, what to wear, and don't even worry about tomorrow. Just gain more knowledge about me, gain more knowledge about my kingdom, and I'll add all that stuff to you. <laughs> Y'all not hearing me. Not, let me read it again. He says, don't worry about what to eat. Some of y'all already worried about where you're going to go eat as soon as you leave here. Don't worry about where you're going to go eat. Don't worry about what to wear. Don't worry about your life. Don't even worry about tomorrow. Worry about gaining more knowledge about me, more knowledge about my kingdom, and I'll give you all that other stuff. That's amazing, y'all. That's amazing. He's saying gain more knowledge. About, how do you gain more knowledge about the kingdom? Well, you read the scriptures. Now, I'm not saying you sit there all day and you just read up. You got to go to work. You got to go to a job because if you read the scripture, the scripture says, thou don't eat, don't work, don't eat. Okay? So you got to go work. You got to do the things of this life to make sure that it happens. But he's saying if you acquire more knowledge about me, you don't have to worry about all that other stuff. The bills pile up this high, and you don't have to worry about it. Because God says, don't worry about it. But we don't believe it. Because what do we do? Oh, I got to, oh, 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 I got Don't worry about it. Gain more knowledge about him. Gain more knowledge. And then he says in Luke, 22, in Luke 12, verse 32. Because remember, he just said, don't worry about what to eat, don't worry about to wear, don't worry about tomorrow, just focus on my kingdom. Gain more knowledge about me. Then he says, don't even worry about the kingdom. Because it's God's good pleasure to give it to you. It's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. If we can get the kingdom of God. Now think about I want you to close your eyes. Think about the kingdom of God. When you picture God sitting on his throne and the kingdom is there and the rule is there. What do you see? You see gold. You see emeralds. You see rivers sparkling like crystal. You see rainbows. You see angels. All that stuff. He says, all that's yours. Well, if all that's mine. It don't mean once I get there, it means it's all mine. Because if I, once I get up there, guess what I'm not going to worry about? I'm not going to worry about what to eat. I'm not going to worry about what to wear. I'm not going to worry about any of that because it's all there. So he wouldn't be telling me not to worry about it if he was talking about heaven because I'm already not going to worry about it once I get to heaven. Everybody with me? Yeah. I know this is some stuff. I'm trying to, we're trying to work, work through this. This is a word. We worry about everything and pray about everything. Or worry and pray about nothing. I don't, know, I don't know how we do it. But we've got to do what the word says. There is a word for every situation in your life. The problem is we don't know what the word is so we can't use it. Or we know but we don't believe it. And that ever since I've gotten this, like he said, it's been about two or three months. And I've been studying and listening to, to preachers and stuff. I've been trying to walk in the authority and walk in the knowledge of this right here because it's tough stuff. It's true. Let me show you how, how we kind of get discombobulated on the word. When the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, and we all know this prayer, he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, come on, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We don't believe that. 
We don't believe it. Let me tell you how we don't believe it. First group says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Oh, we're good with that one. Hallowed be thy name. Oh, we praise you, worship you. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wait a minute. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is. When I get to heaven, or when you get to heaven, what are you going to be living in? A mansion. A mansion. On earth as it is in heaven. What should I be living in here on earth? A mansion. Now, I know, oh, here we go. He's a prosperity teacher. Oh, can't do that. No, we can't. You know what? You know what? I'm going to believe the scripture. And you know, I'll tell you, I used to not even listen to some preachers because that's all they talked about was prosperity, 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 prosperity. And you know what? The more I'm reading scripture, the more God's trying to work on me. I'm trying to prosper you. I just read it in, in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is the Old Covenant, and the New Testament is the New, Te the new Covenant, and the New Covenant must be better than the Old Testament, right? right. Or there wouldn't be any reason for the New Covenant. Right. If, it, if the New wasn't better than the Old, we don't need the New. We just stay with the Old. Right. But we need the New because the New's better. Right. So if he said in the Old, every place your foot goes, I will give it to you, and I will make you prosper in everything that you do, then the New must be better than the Old, and he's going to make me prosper even more. Amen. So we got to go with that. We've got to do it. See, we think, that, we think that that scripture right there means, oh, I'm going to be casting out demons and all this. And yes, that's part of it. But God is sitting there on a throne. He drives around on gold. If God drove, I mean, he obviously don't have to drive. But if he drove, it's paved, paved with gold. He sits on a throne with jewels and gems, and I don't even know what their names are. I don't know what they mean. I don't know what they look like. And for years I've preached it. I preach that you can't always, oh, not, not everybody's going to have a, a chicken in the pot and drive a Cadillac. But I'm telling you, he's wanting to bless his people. He says in his scriptures, I want to be able to point to you to show what it is to follow me. Come on now. Y'all got to listen. Y'all got to hear it. The wealth, he says, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. That means when I'm watching TV... And I see somebody, and this name I've been talking, I was talking to my wife about it, but his name just hit me. But So if I see somebody like Jay-Z, we all know who Jay-Z is. If you don't, he's a rapper, business owner, whatever. And he's obviously not following God. So that makes him evil. He's got all this money. I mean, the, the man, that's my money. <laughs> You're storing that up for me. Now, we laugh and we think it's a joke, but that's the truth. That's what he said. The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. So every bit of money that he and his wife, Beyonce, make, it's supposed to be mine. It's supposed to be yours. It's supposed to be for the righteous. But we're not claiming it. We're just letting them steal our money. And then we go buy a CD and give them even more money. Come on now. We got to get it right. In Proverbs, or excuse me, in Exodus, the Israelite children, when, they, when God delivered the Israelite children out of bondage, you know what it says? That they took the wealth of the nation with them. Not one was sick or feeble among them. Y'all, that's the Old Testament. Come on. Come on. He said that they took the entire wealth of the nation yeah. with them. Yeah. That people were just giving it. Here, go, take it. We don't want you. Go. That's stored up for the righteous. That's stored up for us. You shall be the head and not the tail. He says you will go. You will never go down. You will go up. The old covenant told us that we would be blessed in our coming and in our going. We'd be blessed in the city and in the field. So the new covenant must be better than the old one. Jesus said, I am the way into the entire kingdom. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man enters into the kingdom except by me. But guess what? That means we get to get into the kingdom through Jesus. That's, that's you got to grab it. We are joint heirs with Christ. What is Christ going to get when he returns? Starts with the E, is in everything. <laughs> everything. So if we are joint heirs with him, that means he and I, we're sharing the same inheritance. What's his is mine, what's mine is his, his is mine. Then I get everything. everything. And if Jesus came down here on this planet, now, we'll, we'll miss it. Because inside of you will come up and will go, well, you, so you think Jesus would drive around on a Cadillac and wear a Rolex? And of course, my answer to you would be no, because they didn't have Rolexes and Cadillacs back then. <laughs> so obviously he would not drive a Cadillac and wear a Rolex. But look at what he did have. 
a garment without a seam. That's what rich people wore. He had a house big enough to hold his disciples in. He rode a donkey that ain't never been rode before. And a donkey was supposed to, that was, that was it for the Israelite children. If you had a donkey and you could ride on a donkey, you mean you had some money. And he rode one that had never been saddled before. Don't give me that old broke down piece of junk. I want a new donkey. <laughs> That's Jesus, y'all. That's Jesus. You got to get it. You got to get it. Jesus even took it one step further in John 14, 13 through 14. John chapter 14, verse 13 through 14. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Y'all, you can't get no more plain than that. You can't get no more plain. You can't. He said, whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. How many of you know that God does not take glory and cannot get glory from anybody or anything if we walk around like, oh, I'm just so broke, busted, and disgusted. Oh, praise God. Oh, my bills are piling up. They're going to come get my house. I'm just so sad. Oh, Lord. Lord Jesus, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, Father. That does not bring glory to anybody. Right? But if we come in and I'm going, blessed, I am so blessed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for my offering. Thank you, Lord, for my blessing. Thank you, Lord, my bills are paid. My house is paid. My car is paid. Thank you, Lord, that I'm out of debt. Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. I'm full of grace. I'm full of mercy. That brings him glory. And then when people see you walking in that, then they will begin to glory. Well, what is going on with you? Well, didn't they just try to come take it? Yes, they did, but praise God, he paid it off. I, ain't, I don't even know how I got here. I don't even know how the money came. It just came into my pocket. I, it must have been Jay-Z. He must have paid off my, my house. I don't know. But that's, that's what God does. That's how God does it, y'all. It's amazing. Look at verses uh, in, in John chapter 16, verses 23 through 26. I keep sitting my water on different sides. I'm sorry. And he says, and in that day, that day, meaning this day, when the kingdom comes, ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, means truthfully, truly, this is the truth. Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And we quote the scripture. My God, my father owns a cattle on a thousand. He, well, bless God, why don't you ask him for some of it? Come on. We quote it, but we don't believe it. He says, here too, have you asked nothing in my name? From, from before now, you haven't asked anything in my name. Even going back to the Lord's Prayer. We didn't ask it in Jesus' name. No, we didn't say anything in Jesus' name. But now he's saying, from this point forward, from that point until now, you haven't asked anything in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Well, if I ask and I don't receive, my joy is not full, right? It, it just isn't. If I ask God for a million dollars and I don't get a million dollars, well, he didn't give me no million dollars. He didn't answer my prayer. That's not joy. He says, ask, and you shall receive it. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time has come. Notice what he said. This is Jesus talking. It's in red letters if you go back and look in the scripture. But the time has come when you shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. And that day you will ask in my name, and I will say unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me. He believed that I came out from God. So he says, before now, you didn't ask anything in my name. In that day, you will ask whatsoever you want from our Father in my name, you shall have it. Well, that day has come. He just said that. The whole, my whole life, I thought that the Lord's Prayer was the way we're to pray. We're supposed to pray that way. That's what the Lord said. The Lord said, pray this way. They asked teachers how to pray. He said, pray this way. So that's why I'm going to pray. 
But he says right here in verse 24, he says, Hitherto you've asked nothing in my name, but on that day, when that day comes, you will ask whatsoever you want in my name, and, and you'll get it. So he changes it because he died, he rose again. He says, now don't pray that way. Pray this way. Pray in my name, and it will be done. Pray in my name, and it will be done. He was saying that the Lord's prayer was about God, your kingdom come, your will be done. And here he says, the kingdom has come, it's yours, take it. It's yours. The kingdom is here. I am the way, it's yours. Pray this way and you will receive. The Amplified says that your gladness and delight will be full. I'm walking in delight. Praise Jesus. Because he's got everything I need. I'm not worried about paying my bills. I'm not worried about doing this because I know he's got it. And it's going to be there. It's going to be there. Some of y'all already left me and you went to the buffet. And I know it's okay. <laughs> Smelling the spaghetti or whatever's cooking down there. I don't know. Well, I'm telling you, you've got to get a hold of this and you've got to let it sit down in your spirit. Because some of you, it's different than anything you've heard before. And you're not quite sure if it's true or not. We're getting ready to talk about stuff in the next series, I mean, in this series coming up in the next few weeks about the word and about what it says about different situations. And if you don't get the word down inside of you, you will not be able to grab a hold of this and it will not make sense and it will not work. I'm trying to give you some knowledge about the authority that we walk in and the kingdom that we walk in. And I mean, how many of you are just tired of walking broke, busted, and disgusted? Anybody? Yes, amen. I'm tired of the devil thinking that he has his way with me. I'm tired of thinking that the devil can come down and rub my nose in, in the sand and say, ha ha, and run away and not have anything done to it. Listen to this parable. This is in Matthew 13. He says, And he spoke many things in them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls and the, and came and devoured them. And some fell upon the stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of the earth. And when the sun was up, well, they were scorched, and because they had not, no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now we've heard that parable many times over and over and over and over. And I think we have completely lost the entire meaning of the parable. Because here's what we say. We say, all those other three bad soils, they're non-believers. We're the good soil because we're the believer. But that's not at all what he's talking about. He's not saying, you are the good soils, those that believe. He doesn't say that. Look at, look at the scripture. Look at what it says. Because if it's true, then y'all, right, as believers, should be bringing 160 and 30-fold. Here's some empty pews right here. Look, look around. There ain't a hundredfold coming in. There ain't, 30, there ain't even thirtyfold coming in. So it must not be what he's talking about. And if we look in verse 10, I'll prove it to you. So y'all listen. And the reason I want y'all to understand this, because Jesus said in Mark, he said, if you don't understand this parable, how can you understand any of the other parables? If you don't grab a hold of this one, you can't understand the other ones. So he says, when the disciples came, verse 10, and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whoever hath more, and he shall have more abundance. But whoever hath not from him will be taken away that which he even has. Therefore speak to, I speak to them in parables, because they seeing, see not. Hearing, they hear not neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which said, By hearing ye shall heal, hear, and shall not understand. Seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. But the people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have been closed. Lest any, at any time they should see with their ears, and hear with their hearts, or hear with their ears, excuse me, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I shall heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see the things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear the things that you hear and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the par parable of the sower. Okay, he's getting ready to tell us the meaning, what it is. He's getting ready to show us what the meaning is. 
Because it's not about believers versus unbelievers. It's about all believers. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, notice he doesn't say when anyone hears the word of salvation. If he were talking about non-believers, he would say anybody hears the word of salvation and understandeth not, then the wicked one come and catch it away, that which was sown in his heart. This is which received the seed by the wayside. So he who hears the word of the kingdom, he's talking to believers. When they hear the word, they do exactly what some of y'all have done right now this moment, and you've tuned it out, and you say, well, I don't know about all that stuff, and bam, Satan has come and taken the word of the kingdom from your heart, and it doesn't even have a chance to take root. Because I don't know about all that. I don't believe it. Well, it's gone. You start hearing a preacher talking about you being blessed and giving and give more, and you just, I, I'm not worth it. I'm not with all of that prosperity teaching. And you know what? You'll never be. Because you got to hear the word. Let me tell you, as, as I said earlier, that used to be me. I used to be like, well, God, you know, not everybody's supposed to be blessed, but that's not what the scripture says. Everyone in the kingdom of God is supposed to be blessed. Now, some are going to be more blessed than others, and that's okay because it's according to what God is requiring of them, but you're still supposed to be blessed. But we don't hear that. We're so easily, readily here. Oh, you're a low-down, dirty dog, and God just barely saved you by the skin of your teeth. We'll take in that word. Oh, yeah, that's me, brother. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's me. I got in by the hair of my chinny-chin-chin. Thank God I got a lot of them because I might not have made it. But that's not what Scripture says about you. It's not what it says. I used to say that God doesn't want everybody to be rich, and I don't want, and I got to tell you, the more I read, the more I see that our God is pretty extravagant. Our God talks about abundance. Jesus came and said, I come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Barely scraping by, even in this physical world, is not more abundantly it's just not and you, you if you want to take it that way that's fine i'm not going to miss out on being able to walk into the kingdom of god and walk this life in the kingdom of god because you say well that's not what he's talking about i'm going to take the scripture for what god said he's talking about his throne like i said is covered with gems let's move on to verse 20 he says but he that received the seed into stony places the same as he that hears the word and receives it with joy, and hath, but it hath no root in himself. So it endures for a while, but when tribulation or persecution arise because of the word, by and by he is offended. This person receives the word while they're in service. They receive, yes, I'm going to be a millionaire. Yes, I'm going to be blessed. Yes, 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 yes. And then three months down the road, it don't happen exactly the way they thought it would or doesn't happen for them. Well, that word didn't work for me. I don't know what you're talking about anymore, brother. And so now they're offended. Now they're offended at the word. They're offended when somebody's talking about you at work and God says, keep your mouth shut. Because I am the person that gets revenge for you. I take the action. Keep your mouth shut. Okay, Lord, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. For three days, we're good. <laughs> On day number four, they say, one more thing, Lord. And he's saying, no, keep your mouth shut. Well, they're still talking. Keep your mouth shut. Well, my blessing ain't came. It's coming if you believe in the word and you keep giving like you're supposed to give and you keep doing what God tells you to do. You keep going in the same place. The blessing is there. But faith is not about, faith is not what happens right there at this moment. If I were to preach, you're going to be a millionaire if you gave $100. Everybody would come run up and give $100. And then you walk out here, well, I'm not a millionaire now. Now you're going to walk away being mad and disgusted and broke at God. The word says you'll be blessed in your coming, in your going. Pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. Will men give unto your bosom? Will men, like Jay-Z, give unto my bosom? I keep going back to that because I want y'all to see. He's saying that if you do what I say, the blessings will be here. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And every once in a while, they'll overtake you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, come on, come on. That's not, we have, the faith is based upon, the faith is there because you give and nothing happens, but you keep on giving. 
You give and they're coming to take your house, but you keep on giving. Three months, four months, five months, and then finally the harvest comes. That is faith. If it takes weeks, if it takes months, then years. God's word is true. And that's where the faith comes in because we stand on it. I stand on it. Though the world around me may crumble to the ground, I stand upon the word because the word is truth. Move on to verse 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. This one is actually translated not the cares of this world, but the anxieties of this world, the the fears of this world. The fear because of what we are actually seeing breaks our faith of what we actually say we believe. You cannot fear. One, One preacher said fear contaminates your faith. It contaminates it. Don't let fear choke the word out. The word is truth. Then he goes to the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Notice he says, the cares or the anxieties of this world and the deceitfulness. Of, well, if I've got all this money, I'm not going to be worried about what's going on in this world, right? Because i got all this money. So he's talking about two different people on the opposite ends of the spectrum. And he's saying the one that fears the fears of this world. And then you got the one, because that's the person that can't pay their bills, they can't do this, they can't do that, can't do that because they got no money. Then he says the deceitfulness of riches, both of them choke out the word. Both of them. So I'm so fearful on this end or I'm so blessed and so rich that it chokes out the word on this end. Well, how in the world does that happen? If the word is working for me, then shouldn't I be standing with it? Well, here's what it does. You get so blessed, you get so rich, you get so abundantly blessed, you put your trust in that instead of in the word. And so when God comes to you and says, I want you to empty out your bank account that I just blessed you with and now it's a million dollars, but I want you to give it all away, you go, oh, Lord, wait a minute. But it was the word that got you there in the first place. It was the word that got you there. So he says, the fears of this world and the deceitfulness of riches both choke out the word and then they've lost it. Don't be that way. Don't be that way. Verse 23 but he received the seed under the good ground. Oh, here we go. This is talking about us. Is he that, tear, he that hears the word and understands it, which also bear fruit and bring forth some 100, some 60, and some 30. I love the fact that God starts out with a hundredfold first. You know, typically for us, what well, we got, I got to go through 30, I got to go through 60, then I'll get to 100. But he says, no, 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 no. I'll start y'all with a hundredfold. Then maybe we'll get some 60 and some 30 and, and so on and so forth. Now, I know. Because so, some of y'all sitting there saying, well, brother, he's not always talking about money. I agree. I'm not naive in thinking that our infinite Father will only bless us in finite gifts. I understand that. That's why Jesus said, I come and I give you life more abundantly. I give you everything for life and for godliness. That's why he said that he gives you peace that is beyond understanding. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. I accept all of that. <laughs> I, I want it all. I don't want to just worry about this, but there's a word for us. Because Jesus not only abounded in peace, love, grace, mercy, joy, unspeakable, but he also abounded in miraculous signs. And all of that is for us. All of it. All of it. What is God saying to you? What has he said to you that you have forgotten? Is there anything that God ever spoke to you when you were a kid or when you were asleep that God said, I would need you to do this or I want you to do this? What was the word for you? You know, they say that there are over 3,000 promises in the Bible. 3,000 promises in the Bible. That's a lot of promises. Now, some of those, I would, I would probably downgrade that number just a little bit because some of the things that we say are promises are actually established facts. They're not promises. And the difference is a promise is something that's going to happen in the future, right? But a fact is something that's already happened. I'll give you an example because some of y'all probably ain't getting it. Look at, um, I lost where it was. If we look at the healing, uh, healing scripture in Isaiah 53, 5. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. That's a promise. 
Isaiah is prophetically talking about Jesus Christ coming down, and with his stripes, we, were, we are healed. When his stripes come, we are then healed. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says, Who in his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. Do you see the difference? Isaiah says, you are healed because his stripes are coming. When they're come, you're healed. First Peter says, by his stripes, we were healed. That means it's established. It's done. It's no longer a promise. It's done. It's done. You were healed. Well, if I are healed and I were healed, then that must mean I is healed. Do you get it? It, It's it's a promise of healing doesn't come talking, oh, well, in heaven, we're all going to be healed. No, that's not what it says. That's not what the scripture says. It says that believers, people that believe in Christ were healed. It was done on the cross for their healing. Now, once I get to heaven, there's no reason for me to be healed. It has to be talking about now. There are two problems. We don't know what the word says and what we do know we don't believe. Look at Mark 11, verse 24. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, I keep talking about this. Believe that you have it. You shall receive it. Believe and you shall have it. Thomas had an issue with this. Y'all remember old Thomas? We all call him Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas, because the word came to Thomas, and the word came to him, and it said, our Jesus has risen. He is alive. And Thomas said, I ain't going to believe until I can poke my finger in his hole and put my fist in his side. That's when I'll believe it. That's when I'll believe it. And so we all label Thomas, doubting Thomas, doubting Thomas. Look at Romans 4, verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him who believed, even God, who quickened the dead and calleth the things which be not as though they were, who against, all, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become a father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that that which he had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to him it shall also be imputed. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for justification. Now that's talking about Abraham. Notice what it says. And not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. He believed even God who quickened the dead and called the things which be not as though they were. He believed in the word. 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 The word is spoken according to that which he believed according to that which was spoken. He believed. The problem is we want Abraham's blessing with Thomas's faith. I'll believe it when I get it. I'll believe it when I get it. That's not faith, and you won't get it. Jesus said, if you ask, believe, then you get. When do I believe? Before I get. When do I get? After I believe. You see it? Hello. I get it after I believe it. We have to believe it. We have to believe it. We have to believe it. These are established facts in God's kingdom. They're established facts. We're going to be talking about things such as marriage, parenting, health, and finances. And if you don't get a hold of these words and you miss the words and you don't hold on to that which is spoken, you miss it. God is not going to do anything else to heal us. He's not going to do anything else to bless us because if we read in Ephesians, he said he's already given every blessing to us. Every blessing is ours. We have to hold on to it. We have to walk in it. We have to get it. 
I know you're tired. Claim the word. I know your body's hurting. Claim the word. I know you're sick. Claim the word. I know your finances are gone. Claim the word. Stand on the word. Believe the word. Claim it. Don't beg. A prince and a princess is not beg from the king. A prince and a princess already has what the king has. They already have what the king has. What does your father have? Everything is his, the Bible says. So it's yours. No matter what it looks like. Your check bank, your checking account, zero. Pray the word. Believe the word. God, I don't know how I'm going to eat tomorrow. Pray the word. Believe the word. He says, don't worry about it. Okay, Lord, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to pray and believe in you. But we say that, then our actions, well, how am I going to fix this? I don't know. How am I going to fix it? What am I going to do? I'm going to take on two, four, eight jobs so I can make sure. No, he says, do the word. Do not worry about it. Stand on the word. Find you some scriptures that are dealing with what you're facing, and you quote them every time it comes up. Every time Satan or Goliath tries to raise up his ugly head, what is the word? Is there not a word? Is there not a word? Is there not a word? Pray the word. Speak the scriptures. If you need some help, we'll find, Pastor Todd and I will find you some scriptures based on what you're going for. But believe it. Act on it. Walk in it. Don't let your words change unless you, don't, don't, let, don't let them come out. Well, I just don't know if he's going to do it. He's not going to do it if you say that. Because you just talked yourself out of it. You have talked yourself out of the blessing. Well, I just don't know about that, Brother Chris. I'm sorry. Watch me get blessed. Watch me. I'm telling y'all. Y'all, this is something that has, uh, uh, 33 years I've been alive. And I, and I, and I have been, there are times that I've, that I've been way down here. And there have been times I've been way up here. And there have been times I've been kind of somewhere in the middle. But Scripture says that we're to be always going up, never down. We're to always be the head and not the tail. So I have to believe what he says. If you come to me and say, well, Pastor, I believed it and it didn't happen, so God's a liar. Would anybody say that? Let me back up. Would anybody say that? No, because God is not a liar. And so if he said it, if there is a word for it, you better believe it because it is true. Don't let Satan come steal it. Don't let the anxieties of this world or the deceitfulness of riches. Lord, I'd like, to, I'd like that test for a little bit. Can I get a test of deceitfulness of riches just for a little bit? It's of the anxieties of the world. Don't let either one choke out the word. Don't let either one choke out the word. Don't let it. Is there not a word? 